My thanks to, um, is that the Murrays over there? I haven't seen you guys in years. Welcome. It's good to see you. Uh, sorry, I got a little distracted there. It's so good to see their faces. But uh, I just want to express my thanks to all of you for the wonderful celebration that we had together last week. Uh, I was just overwhelmed with the whole event last week, and I don't really have adequate words to describe my appreciation for all of you and, and your kindness to me uh, over the years and last week in particular. I feel so blessed to be here and to be your pastor. So this is the first week for me to stand behind this pulpit as the senior pastor of Grace, and in many ways it feels like any other week. But the recent weeks leading up to last Sunday um, and this week in the role have shown me very clearly that things are very different. Um, I sense a gravity toward the role that I didn't uh, quite sense until last week, and I'm sure that that sense will only increase into the future. So, but in light of last week and all the attention that was directed toward me and, and the installation service, I thought it appropriate to make a few remarks this week in, in response to it before we go to prayer through Psalm 19. So I want to make mention of uh, Brother Scott Liston, who's not here this morning. Uh, we as an elder board call upon Scott to represent our unified voice very often. Um, Scott always speaks concisely, and he always speaks that which is apropos. Um, he clarifies and summarizes things in a way that I envy, to tell you the truth. Um, and he, always has, he has given me wise counsel many, many times throughout the years, so I want to thank Scott. I also want to make mention of, of Brother Harold. Um, Harold has only ever been an encouragement to me. His kindness, his generosity, his hospitality, along with Becky, and, and their warmth toward me and my family have been expressed in many ways. And I'm most appreciative of the strength and confidence that his affirmation of me and my ministry has given me over the years. So my kids, though, are most appreciative of his swimming pool and the snacks that they get over at their house all the time. So Pastor Eddie, I want to make mention of him, though he's absent this morning as well. They're out of town. I've been partners in ministry with, with Pastor Eddie uh, for a lot of years at this church. And if I recall correctly, he and I began our time together on the elder board in the same election cycle. I think that's correct. Uh, John would know for sure, but I'm pretty sure it's correct. Um, we launched and... We, uh, or he and I work together currently in the youth group and in trail life and on the elder board um, and in many other, other things. Uh, we launched and led together along with Matt um, the Father's Ministry, which lasted for quite a while many years ago at Grace. And Eddie, as all of you know, is as faithful and as dependable a man as you could ever find. So... I'm very thankful for his partnership along the way and that he remains alongside me today. Of all the people, though, at Grace still today, the one I have known the longest, and this might come as a surprise to you, um, and he has probably had the most impact on my life of, of any other, is Brother Mike Bowling. Mike was emotionally moved more than even John or myself last week during the, the service. In fact, he was so moved by emotion that he moved the bread behind the cup during communion <laughs> last week. Uh, I told him afterwards, I was like, that is nothing to be ashamed of. You should wear that as a badge of honor. You produced one of the most awkward moments in the history of Grace Evangelical Free Church. And 
You should wear that as a badge of honor. So, uh, you know, the first time I met Mike Bowling was, I was a sophomore in high school, and he had been invited to our Young Life Club by our leaders to be a guest speaker at our Monday night campaigners Bible study, where he presented apologetic evidence for the truthfulness of the Christian faith. And back then, he was an imposing figure, just like he still is, but even more so back then, especially to our young group. Our leaders had hyped him up um, ahead of time so that many of us had invited other questioning, um, skeptical friends to be present that night that he was there, and the crowd was larger than usual. And he lived up to the hype. Um, And we could tell this by his first question posed to the group, which was this. You're going to hear bowls all over this. He said, by chance, does anyone here know the number for the atomic mass of carbon? Doesn't that sound like Mike like Bowles? That was his first question to the group. And surprisingly, there was one in the audience who did know the answer to that. Um, it was another sophomore. His name was Andy. And he later became the valedictorian of my class. Um, and Andy was an atheist at the time. He answered uh, Bowles' question with a very self-inflated air. And he said, it's approximately 12.011, which go and check. I had to check that this morning just to remember it, by the way. Um, but in that moment, Bowles did not seem impressed, but he confirmed that Andy was accurate, and he went on to make his points, and on numerous occasions that evening, he took the atheist's argument to task, making his arguments against Christianity seem almost ridiculous to our young minds, while at the same time, he encouraged Andy and never belittled him in the process. Years after so many conversations I've had with Bowles, and they've been, many of them have been just as memorable as that first encounter. Later on after high school, I went to uh, Young Life New Leadership Training as a freshman in college, and Bowles and Tracy Berry were the ones who led that new leader training. And so his mentorship in my life continued. Perhaps this was my, why Mike was more emotional last week than he expected, because he may not have thought about it, but I would never have come to grace were it not for Mike. He never actually invited me to church, but he introduced me to Peggy Grossman, Mrs. G, Pastor John's mother. Uh, She was needing people to work and live on her horse farm. And so she hired me back in 1996 at a time when I was needing a place to live and save in preparation for my marriage to Mandy that was soon to happen. Um, And it was through Mrs. G that Mandy and I were invited to Grace, and we fell in love with this fellowship but were it not for Mike, I literally wouldn't be here. So Mike, you were, you were one who, you showed up at a, just the right time in my life. And, and God has used your faithfulness to him and, and, and to his ministry to carry the task into the next generation. So I, I thank you, my friend. I also must mention Mackinell and my thanksgiving for him. I, I first met Matt when I moved onto the farm in 1996 when he was a, in junior high school, believe it or not. I was his and Christie's uh, leader in youth group many years ago. 
Uh, Matt and I have been playing music together since he was early in his high school career and in this youth group. Matt and I have, uh, have so many years of hilarious and important memories together that I, can't even, I couldn't recount them all. Matt and Christy remained at Grace during most of their college years and thereafter, and they departed for a couple of years um, when they believed that they were going to be moving to Lebanon. Um, but for years, they lived right next door to Mandy and I, and our kids grew up together. And so I was overjoyed when they came back to us at Grace. And last week, you noticed that Matt finished leading the worship service that I had begun. He picked up my guitar to carry the mantle in my absence. And I want you to know that I I trust Matt with more in my life uh, than anybody, with the exception of Mandy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're in the notes, Mandy, don't worry. That was not just an afterthought. So Matt, Matt is as faithful a friend as anyone could ask for. And he does so well in his role as worship director for us here at Grace. So pray for him as that role expands. So just like John, I remain to help him, but my ability to participate in worship leadership will, of course, lessen. But lastly, I must thank Pastor John. John, your sermon uh, from last week, spoken to and for me from 2 Timothy was powerful, but it was exactly what I expected from you. As it has been the message that you have preached with your voice and with your living ever since I've known you. Your, your dedication to the teaching and, and preaching of the Bible, verse by verse, since the very beginning of the church, is the enduring legacy um, that you leave to me, and the wisdom of it is inescapable. It's the very thing I intend to always do throughout my ministry here. So this body that you led and continue to help lead is strong in the Lord because of your years of dedicated ministry in teaching and explaining the Word of God. But you have also been a selfless mentor and a friend to me throughout the years. You've lavished me with your time in conversations asking and answering questions, dialoguing issues and passages and perspectives. And you have lavished upon me resources upon resources that are at my disposal to study and to prepare a feast, literally, from the Bible, week in and week out. And I'll never be able to read all that you've given me, just so you know, never. Um, I'm a much slower reader than you. Um, But you continue to give, and I'm well-equipped because of your years of faithfulness to this work. So keep it up and finish strong as well. My dear brother, thank you for entrusting this ministry that you founded to me. So now, let's move on to Psalm 19. It might come as a surprise to you, but I will not preach through Psalm 19 this morning. In light of the installation service last week, I decided to dedicate this my first service and time in the pulpit as senior pastor um, to the Lord for thanksgiving and prayer. Uh, So I've spent the week reading and pondering Psalm 19 amongst other passages and, and just letting it guide me in my prayer time this week. It is a very good guide for a new shepherd's prayer. 
And so I, write, I wrote a prayer that I want to present to you. So please, as a, as a fellowship, receive it in a spirit and posture of prayerfulness. Pray along with me, if you will, as you hear it. Additionally, after the prayer this morning, when you hear me say amen, the prayer is not over. The worship leaders will come back up for more music, and the elders and pastors who are present this morning will go to four different corners of the room. And so there will be a time set apart for you to pray with them. So bring your concerns to them for prayer, and let us dedicate this phase of the ministry of Grace Evangelical Free Church to the Lord and plead with Him for blessing. So now turn to Psalm 19 with me. Open it up. I'll be reading out of the New American Standard Bible. The psalm is three parts. Verses 1 to 6 are praise to God for the glory of His works. Verses 7 to 10 are praise to God for the glory of His Word. Verses 11 to 14 are the example of the appropriate response to those who ponder God's works and Word. The response that they ought to have. So let's read it and turn to prayer. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line or or their sound has gone out through all the earth and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens, and its circuit to the other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression." Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray. Glorious God, I recall as a young boy in the summer evenings sitting on a, on a swing by my mother in our front yard looking into the sky as dusk turned into night. I recall her telling me the old adage, pink at night, sailor's delight. Pink in the morning, 
Sailors take warning. Over time, I was able to see with my own eyes and experience that the rhyme about the signs of the heavens was very true. The skies were communicating to me. There was no speech, nor were there words. There was no voice that I heard, save my mother's. But there was a message. Day to night, day to day and night to night, knowledge was revealed. O God, how could one discern these messages and not consider the question, who wrote the script for the sky? Glorious God, as I grew up into adolescence and began to ponder the deeper questions of life that we all eventually ask, again, I spent a great deal of time looking to the heavens. Questions of where I came from, where all of this came from, where all of this, including myself, was going. What is my purpose? When will I die? Where will I go when I die? Were all questions pondered often gazing into the night sky. I would go out of the window of my bedroom across the yard onto the roof of my shed where I would lay and stare into the darkness and wonder of space. There was no message specific for me as I gazed and pondered that answered these questions. There was just a clearer realization of the vastness of and the beauty of the heavens, which produced a growing sense in me of my own smallness. Glorious God, when I was young, I remember love for the daytime, especially in summer. I didn't want the day to end. Our home faced east. So often, so after breakfast in the morning, when I would go outside, the sun would be beginning its course right in front of our home and the door I was exiting. I hardly paid attention to the sun most days, but I always felt joy under its light, for I could play and I could see when it shone as the weather permitted and invited me to be outside. When it didn't shine due to weather, the gloom of the sky matched the mood in my heart. But I too remember there were times when the sun was in its full brightness in the sky that I wanted to look at it. And I would look at it, but only for the briefest instant. Its brightness, which gave life and light to the surface of this planet and happiness to my own heart, could not be looked upon. Otherwise, blindness would result. How could something so obvious and universally sensed be so hard to behold? There is nothing hidden from its heat, Yet we all must hide our eyes from its brightness. Glorious God, toward the end of, this, of the sun's course each day, it would descend in the sky behind my home, behind the forest trees past the field. The sun would change its colors and dim its brightness. Through the thickening atmosphere, its light passed to my eyes, uh, eyes and I could perceive it with more clarity and my gaze upon it was able to be lengthened because its brightness was dimming. God, in the twilight of my life, please let my perception of your glory be ever clearer, even clearer than it is to me today. And may my gaze upon your goodness lengthen so that it is the very last thought on my mind. Glorious God, as I grew, I noticed without necessarily verbalizing 
that the great message to be gleaned from the heavens, both sky and space, are order and constancy. Things follow a predictable, orderly pattern, and those patterns repeat in perpetuity. How can one recognize this order and constancy and fail to ask who charted these courses and who perpetuates these ever-moving patterns? Though there is no speech or voice that is heard commanding it all, there is a line of reasoning that points to an utterance from one who, who charted the course of it all and who created the circuitry of the skies. How could it be that in the face of all of this order and constancy about me, in my own heart I felt chaos and disorder? In the face of all of this beauty and glory, my own heart was growing uglier and my mood was a gathering gloom. Lord God, Yahweh, you saw fit to place me in a home where I was faithfully taken to church three times a week. At that church, I was taught that the God who made the heavens and all their glory had also spoken to us in the pages of the Bible. Lord, that church was small, and I remember almost never being excited to go as a child. The service seemed long and boring. And my mom, who was usually very nice to me, would turn very stern in church if I was fidgety or made any sort of disruption. But the people there were all kind and friendly to me. And though I didn't understand much of what was being taught, mostly because I was bored and not paying attention, I liked and I respected all of the people who I saw at church. I wouldn't have been able to acknowledge it at the time, But the people there were trying to be good people. They were kind to one another, and they were very honest. My parents trusted them with important things, and they were trustworthy. Lord, I think it was their example that made their assertions about the Bible begin to ring true in my own ears. O Lord, Yahweh, While I acknowledged the truthfulness of your word at a young age, I didn't see the value of much of it. It was filled with strange but somewhat interesting stories about people who lived far in the past. Much that I would read, though, not very often would I try, much that I would read that was not stories didn't make much sense or seem that important to me. So, as I grew into adolescence and began pondering those deep questions of life, I did so without much thought given to your word, though in the back of my mind I sensed its importance. I gave it no attention, and I began to sense in my heart, as the deep questions lingered, a growing hostility toward the Bible and toward others, and worst of all, toward you. But, O Lord, Yahweh, at just the right time, you sent other lights into my life. Smaller lights, but lights nonetheless. Lord, through the light of Joel Covert and Bill Haley and Paul Woods and Jen Barkley and Roxanne Wagner, you revealed to me the glory of your Son, Jesus. Jesus, the one who made me, the one who charted the course and created the whole cosmos the one whose glory shines brighter than a thousand suns, Jesus, who of his own sovereign will in accordance with the Father's purpose dimmed the brightness of his own glory for a time 
so that man could behold him and look upon and know him. Jesus, who existed in the form of God, but did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted. Jesus, who emptied himself to be made in the likeness of man. This Jesus, who allowed the brightness of his glory to be dimmed, went so far as to have the brightness of his glory snuffed out at the cross and placed in a tomb for three days and nights. All of this Jesus did to make known to us the love of the glorious one who made it all. A God so loving that he would die to save us from the hostility of a sin-stained heart and world and to give us an eternity with you, with himself. A God who does this is a glorious God indeed. Lord, Yahweh, upon realizing the extent of your great love for me and trusting in the salvation your son had given, I began to understand very quickly the importance of your word and the restored glory of Jesus, the reclaimed glory of Jesus when he resurrected from the grave. I felt my own soul gloriously revived when I looked in your perfect law, O Lord. My wisdom began to grow as I began to ponder your testimony. My gloomy heart began to rejoice as I understood more and more your precepts. Lord, as I heard with ears that could hear your pure commandment to love you first and foremost and to love my neighbor as much as myself, my eyes were enlightened with the purpose of the one thing needful, to know you more. And I may know you rightly through your word, O Lord. It is clean. It is enduring. It is true. It's altogether right. Your word is righteous. Lord, I am convinced that any man or woman, any boy or girl who comes to your word to seek to know you more deeply and asking for that same thing will become transformed by its light and the knowledge it reveals. O Yahweh, many years have passed since I first trusted you and you called me to be your own. All the progress I have made in my life, I owe to you guiding me through your word and moving me by your spirit within to desire more of it. Lord, today I stand before this congregation of your people who have called me and who have elected me to be their pastor. And I stand before this body's founder and shepherds, and they have entrusted to me the task of leading this fellowship into the future. And Lord, I am not worthy of this calling, nor am I capable of rising to the task apart from your will and power. Lord, just like the heavens, I have no speech. I have no words. I have no voice that is adequate to guide and direct these dear people. But Lord, if I may be just an echo of your voice in their ears and speak your words into their lives, then I will give them what is ultimately more desirable than the finest gold and sweeter than the drippings of the honeycomb. I will give them what is clean. I will give them what is true and right. 
and I will give them something that endures forever. O oh Lord, may it never be that for as long as I am here that I stray from this mission to preach and teach your word. Lord, if I were to stray from this mission, I would not caution or warn these people adequately. They would move from security to danger. If I don't teach them your word, if I fail to teach them your word, I will obscure and confuse the promise of great reward that comes to those who keep your word. They will pursue lesser things, and they'll be motivated toward things of earthly and temporary value only. They will desire the wealth and the refinements and the flavors of this life with diminishing thought for that most desirable of all things which endures forever, your word. Please, Lord, keep me steadfastly on this path. Oh, Yahweh, I pray that this church is well aware that they have called an imperfect man who has failed in keeping your commands. I am but an unworthy servant, just as all of them are. Yet all of us have been adopted and called by you who loved us. And though we come in prayer humbled as unworthy servants who have failed you, you treat us as returned prodigals, and you shower us with grace upon grace, and you welcome us as sons and daughters. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that in your kindness you have shown me my sin and my error, and you have brought me to repentance. You've done this many, many times since you called me to yourself at first, and every time you have extended the grace of your forgiveness to me. Yet, Lord, there are still errors and faults that I have which I have yet to discern. They remain hidden to me still. Please, Lord, do not hold me to blame for these unseen sins. Rather, Lord, reveal them to me so I may confess them and be healed. Lord, I pray if you choose to reveal these blind spots of my own to me through any one of these servants of yours, I pray that they would be bold in doing what you call them to do. Yet, Father, I pray that they would be gentle and kind in their revealing my errors to me. I pray they would show me grace. I pray this, Lord, so that I will not be tempted toward defensiveness or angry retaliation or hold a grudge. Help me to be humble enough to receive correction so that my hidden faults may not become an occasion for accusations of hypocrisy. And then your name be defamed because of my poor example. May it not be, Lord. Righteous God, as David prayed, so I pray. Keep me back from presumptuous sins and do not let them have dominion over me. Lord, when I think of presumption, I think of its definition. Someone who's overconfident or audacious or taking undue liberties. Someone who is arrogant or insolent. Lord, if I am presumptuous or proud, you will oppose me. 
And if I be opposed by you, Almighty God, I will never experience progress and blessing and growth for this ministry from your hand. Lord, presumption and pride leads to great transgression and ultimately to a great downfall. Oh Lord, I plead, keep me back from presumption and pride. Preserve me as blameless and innocent of that great transgression. And forgive me in any way that I have already fallen into it. Oh Lord, Yahweh, keep, to keep me humble, let me always keep my own end in mind. I am not enduring or eternal in this life and in this role as senior pastor. I will pass on and I will be replaced. I pray, Lord, that in your kindness, you would begin raising up even now the one who will replace me in this role. Help me in this task as you helped John. Help me to see when my course is nearing its end and give me the humility to see my replacement with joy and thanksgiving as Pastor John has seen me. O glorious God, Yahweh, in the intervening time between now and the end of my course, I pray that I would run as a strong man with joy. Not in my own strength, but in the strength of the great bridegroom, Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me, who set me on this course to finish it well. Lord Jesus, I pray the words of my own mouth will be the echoes of your own words. I pray that the meditation of my heart and mind would be full of meditation upon your word and your works. Only then will I live and minister in a way that is acceptable in your sight. Lord Jesus, you are the rock upon which this church is built. Let us all build well upon this firm foundation and seek direction for building from your word that you have given us. Let us be faithful in this until we part this life or until your return to rescue us. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Stand with us. Amen. Spirit leads to go to one of the corners where the elders or Pastor John or myself are stationed for prayer.
I come in simplicity Longing for purity To worship you in spirit and truth Only
Come, you weary heart, now to Jesus. Come, you anxious soul, now and see. There is perfect love and comfort for your tears. Rest here in his wondrous peace. Oh, the goodness, the goodness of Jesus. Satisfied is all that I all my days in the goodness of Jesus. Come find what this world cannot offer. Come and find your joy Taste the living water, never thirst again. Rest here in His wondrous peace. Oh, the goodness, the goodness of Jesus, satisfied is all that I the sure and steady anchor in the fury of the storm when the winds of doubt blow through me and my sins have all been torn in the suffering in the sorrow when my sinking hopes are few I will hold 
Christ the sure and steady anchor, while the tempest rages o'er, when temptation claims the battle the sure and steady anchor through the floods of unbelief hopeless somehow oh my soul now lift your eyes to Calvary this my ballast of assurance see his love the sure and steady anchor as we face the wave of death when these trials give way to glory as we Oh, your love, my God. 
there's any who would still like to pray um, after this is all said and done, I'm sure none of the elders and myself and Pastor John would not at all mind continuing to do that. Um, if anybody wants to, just seek us out afterwards. Uh, we appreciate all of you being here and being a part of this time. Uh, I thank God for uh, blessing us and opening uh, your hearts to come for prayer. And uh, just hear the benediction before we depart. May the words and the meditations of the teaching that proceeds from this pulpit be acceptable in the sight of God. And may the words and meditations of all of you, grace members, be the same as you take his word and your testimony of his works in your life to the world that's all around you. Depart in his peace. Amen.